The Start On Demand. On demand. A few weeks ago, the province said essential workers are going to get risk recognition payments. And here we are over a month later, and thousands of people who applied still don't even know if they're eligible. Where's the cash? Yesterday, one of our listeners texted us about how her tree has fallen victim to a pest, to a destructive pest. And today we're going to talk about how to help stop the spread of the ash borer beetle. Cottage sales in southern Manitoba are booming. We also want to know, what dumb mistakes do you make when you're nervous? And we kicked off a new contest today, the Wheel of Meat! I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back next week from vacation. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, July 29th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back next week. Mackling's still at home, and McGarry is very quickly growing tired of taking taxis to work because for the third day in a row, I feel like this is going to end up being Groundhog Day where I get in the cab, and every single day when I say 201 Portage, they say, where's that? And I say the the big tall building at Portage in Maine. Uh, okay, and how do I get there? So I tell them which way to go. Although today I didn't. He just drove to Portage. I figured, oh, okay, he knows the best way to go. Uh, because on Monday, the cabbie did a U-turn at Portage in Maine. You're not allowed to do that, are you? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't think it's explicitly <laughs> expressed, no U-turn, but okay. Yeah. So he did a U-turn there. So I figured, all right, that I figured that's what the cabbie today is going to do. But uh, once we started going up Portage, he says, this is on, the, it's on the right side. And I immediately kind of shake my head internally and I say, no, it's on the left. Uh, can you do a U-turn at Portage in Maine? No, that's not allowed. All right. Then you got to turn right on Gary and go up to York and then left on Fort and back and across Portage. But then, because there was all that construction on Fort and there's oh, supposed man. to be a lane open, but yeah. it was closed. Like it was blocked <laughs> off. So we had to turn around and go up, um, I guess we had to go up St. Mary to Smith. And then and then I had to, to tell him, you got to go up now to McDermott, back up to Maine. So like I, I got, I, I called for a cab at 3.58. I didn't get to work till like 4.30. So oh, I live in Osborne what Village. An adventure. Holy crow. We're going to just have to build you a zip line or something. That'll get you home, I guess. Going up the zip line. Uh, how high are you? 16 for? Yeah, it won't quite work. Yeah. <laughs> you might be able to get, we might be able to get you to the lobby of 201 Portage. I don't know. I'll have to break out the uh, geometry set and see if we can figure that out for you. But boy, maybe that a sounds cannon. like. <laughs> like a human cannon cannonball. To the left of them. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think this is going to, uh, going to 
rub you the right way. This is not the way to start your day, Brett McGarry. No, no, it's not. So I'll, hopefully I'll, I'll end up landing on one on a cabbie that's good, and then I'll say, hey, uh, I'm going to be doing this every day. Can I just call you directly as opposed to, you know, rolling the dice on, on whoever I get? Not to mention the fact that I had to wait, I think, almost 10 minutes just for the cab to show up. Usually there's one milling about somewhere in Osborne Village or near, but the closest one was in Grant Park. So, yeah, so once again, my day off to... Uh, <laughs> an, uh, an adventurous start, shall we, we say. Go. Still alone in the building here. I mean, outside of uh, Global Winnipeg is here, but uh, Power 97, Peggy at 99.1. Have, not sure what, what... I thought they were coming in today, or at least one of them. I maybe, did too. Maybe this afternoon. Maybe this afternoon okay. one of them is going to jump ship, and then uh, tomorrow morning I would imagine both of them will be here. But... Uh, I sauntered into the studio today and almost tripped <laughs> on the anchor desk. So I put a video up of that on our Instagram. That could be embarrassing. <laughs> yes. And you know what? As it turns out, at 645, we're going to have a conversation about the embarrassing things that we do, specifically because of nerves. And uh, here's what happened yesterday, Greg. I had the opportunity to go out to Breezy Bend Golf Course, uh, just up Roblin and Headingley. It's a private golf course. Yeah, it's a fancy Mm -hmm. private golf course. I've never been there. But Barry, the uh, sales guy here at the radio station, is a member there. So I was his guest, and I met the general manager, Corey. And I said said to him, well, hey, thanks for uh, letting me come make a mess of your golf course. Hopefully it's not too much of a mess. So I'm standing on the first tee, and, like, I'm not a terrible golfer, but I'm certainly not a good golfer. And when at a private course, these guys are typically good golfers, right? Cause they, you know, they mean business if they sign up for a membership at a private course. And I could hear I'm on the standing on the first tee, getting ready to hit my ball. And I hear some members complaining that they shot a 71 and a 75. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, Brad. Yeah, these are good scores. So I immediately go, all right, just nice and easy, and bam, duff my driver into the ground, sky my ball about 100 feet into the air. It lands maybe 40 yards in front of me. <laughs> all I could do is laugh. All I could do is laugh. But uh, at 6.45, we're going to have a chat about the dumb things we do because we're nervous. So text us at 204-780-6868. And you know what? We're going to make that the subject of our uh, text or our giveaway, Santa Lucia pizza giveaway. We'll give that away at 9.15. You ever do dumb things because you're nervous? Like you're, you're nervous to not do the dumb thing and then you end up doing the dumb thing as a result? Oh, all the time. There are too many stories to pick from. I, I, yeah, I get inside my own head. Not as much now, but certainly when I was younger. And uh, it all comes back to serving tables for me. So I'll share that story uh, at, at 645. Oh, have you ever, like, a, has a tray ever gone down? Okay, so I, see, <laughs> like I said, too many stories to uh, pick from. I can remember carrying a very large tray at Earl's on St. James uh, one night, and it was full. It must have had $150 worth of meals oh, no. for a table of six, and I slipped on something, and there was no way I was just going to gently crash this tray of food down to the ground so i just basically threw it down because if it was gonna if one plate was going down they were all going down (laughs) and then there was the time that i spilt the strawberry margarita on my grade 11 teacher (laughs) at chi chi she'd come in for lunch in a yellow sweater i was so excited to see her and uh yeah dumped a 
red strawberry margarita all down her left sleeve of her beautiful yellow sweater. Oh, God. Was, mm-hmm. school, was school that bad that she had to come have a margarita at lunchtime? Well, you know what? I, I, now that you mention it 29 years later, I guess I did have all the control in that situation. Because, <laughs> oh, are you supposed to be drinking on a work day? <laughs> but no, I was embarrassed. And I'm sure that story made the rounds because I'd only graduated three or four years uh, previous. So anyway, yeah, like I say, far too many stories to pick from. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation. She is back next week. We want to have a conversation right now, a discussion about the dumb things that we do when we're nervous, the mistakes we make when we're nervous. Because yesterday, in case you're just tuning in and missed it earlier, I had the chance to go to a fancy private golf course yesterday, Breezy Bend out in Headingley, just up Roblin. I've never been there, Kelly. I've never been. And, uh... I'm not a terrible golfer, but I'm by by no stretch of the imagination am I a good golfer. So I'm standing on the first tee box, and I can hear some of the members not far with an earshot complaining that they had just shot a 71 and a 75. Those are low scores. Like if I shot a 75, I would probably quit my job. I I, I could die a happy man. But uh, so I'm standing there on the first tee, and suddenly I get nervous because I don't want to make a mistake. So what do I do? Naturally, I make the dumbest mistake. I hammer my driver into the ground on an otherwise unblemished tee box. I leave this massive divot. <laughs> I sky my golf ball about 100 feet into the air. It goes 40 feet or 40 yards forward. All I could do is laugh, and I re- was able to recover. I recovered and finished the hole with a bogey. So uh, not a bad finish from an awful start, but I felt pretty stupid. So... Wondering if we go around the horn here, if you have a story of things you did that were stupid because you were nervous. And Kelly, why don't we start with you? Uh, I was just going to say, Brett, you should have just turned around and very calmly said, oh, that's not bad for nine holes. <laughs> 71. <laughs> 71, yeah. That would have lightened up the situation for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've had that happen to me on the golf course many times, too, where uh, that first tee and everybody's looking. Uh, but I also remember there was a time, I don't know what the exact circumstances were, but there was a, we were playing uh, in a media game at Shaw Park. And I believe it was softball. And so I'm at shortstop and the very, you know, you're, you're wanting to put on a good show for the people who are watching. Very first ball hit to me right through the wickets. Oh, no. Wanted, wanted to make the play cleanly so bad and right through the wickets. And you can imagine that it went downhill from there. Oh, boy. Sorry to hear that, Kelly. What about you, Jeff Braun? Um, I will tell you the story of I was on a date about 20 years ago. Young, very nervous Jeff Braun, terrible at dating. I'm saying goodnight to the young What's lady. What's different? And I'm standing in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was standing in the like the entranceway of her apartment, and I went in to go and kiss her goodnight. But what I instead I, I tripped over her bicycle. I went down in a heap. <laughs> I caught the metal pedal square in the forehead, (laughs) and I was just down there, and I was like, oh my god, what do I do now? So what I think is to my credit is I I popped up like a bolt of lightning and kissed her anyways, turned around, and just took it off. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well done. Was there a second date? (laughs) No. 
<laughs> How about with the bike? Oh, I haven't ridden a bike since. Okay. Jeff Forte. Oh, I was 18, and it was my first bar gig. And I was the youngest out of, uh, out of the band by 18 years. So I'm really young compared to them. And I just couldn't... Uh, I screwed up like every song. No one has heard Freebird like that. I'll tell you that much right now. Oh, I was so embarrassed. But uh, oh, that was at Dylan O'Connor's. That's not around anymore, is it? No. No. Yeah. Oh, it was just it was so embarrassing. And you know, it's one of those snowball things where you know you're you're you screw up and you screw up more and you screw up more. And by the end of the night, you just wanted to die. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. When it's a sustained. Sort of failure like that? Yeah, that's tough. Greg, you, you re- referenced to the many, many stories in your days being oh. a restaurant server and what have you. What do you got for us? Yeah, I didn't know we were going to go down the dating or the sports or the or the performance uh, route. For me, we had at Silver Star Resort, it was a 22 travel agents from Japan. And they were all delightful. They were doing a little bit of a tour of Big White, Silver Star, Sun Peaks, all the all the ski resorts in the Okanagan. So they happened to be at Silver Star for dinner. I got called in specially to serve this group. And the 23rd person in the group was the basically the general manager of the entire resort. So I methodically took everyone's dinner order, submitted it, kept filling waters, doing uh, the things you're supposed to do. And for some reason, I went back to double check what food I had ordered. And to my absolute horror, realized, guess whose food I hadn't placed an order for? The general manager. And guess what he was eating? A crown roast of lamb, which takes about 35 minutes to cook. I wanted to run out the back door and never, ever come back. (laughs) Fortunately, he wanted it medium rare, and my chef pulled out a (laughs) blowtorch to speed things along that he used for the creme brulee. He helped me out, and oh, I just, I wanted to die. That's 25 years ago, and I am feeling sick to my stomach just remembering that experience uh, oh just just horrific you know you're in the spotlight and you drop the ball and oh, see i'm mad at myself again i'm mad at myself right now well, that's the end of the story mackling and mcgarry McNabb is on vacation Text message at 204-780-6868. We're talking about the things, the mistakes we make because we're nervous. And Liz says, okay, so years ago, a bunch of us had gone to the Red River X. I think the ride was called the Tilt-O-World. Or is it the Tilt-O-Whirl, I think? And uh, yeah, the Tilt-O-Whirl. The the one where you stand in these spots against the wall and it has handles to hold on to and it goes around and around and then the floor drops. Oh, I think that's the rotor. Might be the rotor. That is the rotor. That sounds like the rotor. Yeah, that was. Or the, mm-hmm. maybe the Gravitron. 
Uh, oh no! Right. <laughs> so many. Yeah. Now, now, yeah. Okay. It is. It, yes. <laughs> well, Whatever you say, it is. It is, Brett. It's one of those. Well, I didn't yep. want to go on it. I was so nervous. I seriously wanted to throw up until I saw my sister beside me screaming, "Stop the ride! My shorts are falling off!" <laughs> Every time the wall dropped, so did her shorts. So I was no longer nervous. I was just too weak from laughing. So keep those stories coming at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight for your chance to win. Santa Lucia Pizza. Yesterday, you may recall our conversation about trees, your favorite stand of trees, your most beloved individual trees, or even your favorite branches. Yeah, we gave away that Santa Lucia pizza to Karen for her picture and her story about her beloved seven trunk birch. Unfortunately, Karen tells us that tree is under siege by one of Mother Nature's destructive creatures. Carrie Hamill is Director of Conservation here in Manitoba. He joins us now. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning. Always great to get some time with you. We want to discuss how we can do our part in containing the spread of the emerald ash borer in Manitoba. Can you refresh our memories? What is the emerald ash borer and what is it doing to our beloved trees? Yeah, it's, a, it's an invasive beetle species that is spreading rapidly across North America. It just arrived in Winnipeg a few years ago, and uh, it really attacks our ash species. So green ash and black ash are our native species. Um, there's no cure for it um, um, on a widespread uh, scale, and uh, it kills the trees within you know three to five years. How devastating uh, do you think that this is going to be? Yeah, it's not looking good. It's uh, it's quickly spread throughout Michigan and Ontario and places like that, and it's really disrupting natural ecosystems, kind of taking out uh, entire stands of trees. New species come in, but it's really disruptive, you know, for the, the birds and the amphibians and things like that that live in them. Um, what we really want to focus on is how we can slow down that spread. Uh, you know, maybe in time, uh, you know, give us a little more time to maybe find a, a cure for this thing. So what can we do, Carrie? You know, the, the, the single best thing that people can do is, is to consider not moving firewood. Um, we're going into a long weekend. A lot of people are going to be out uh, you know, at the cottage or going camping. Wonderful to have a bonfire, uh, stay up late, keep the mosquitoes away. Um, but if you take ashwood and you move it to a new place and that ashwood happens to be infected, you're going to help move it and make an infection in a new place. So consider leaving that at home buy your wood locally, buy it at the campground or your local community, and leave it there. Um, either burn it all, um, or if you're at a campsite, you know, you can do that amazing thing where you leave a few pieces of wood for the next person. They, they pull up to the site, and, and they're happy to see, hey, someone left them some wood. So is it a bad idea to, like, if I stop at a gas station uh, on the way out, like, just as we're hitting the road, you say, oh, we got to get firewood. You pull over, you grab some firewood, and then you drive 100 kilometers to the, to the cottage or whatever. Is that not advisable? Yeah, just always best to buy it locally. It's as close to where you're, you're going camping as possible if you can. So, Kerry, can these uh, can these insects, can they affect trees other than ash trees? No, no, they're really specific to those green ash and black ash trees in Manitoba. Um, the real challenge ecologically is that a lot of our riverbanks and, and lake shores, especially in southeastern Manitoba, that's one of the, the main tree species. So if those trees disappear... Um, not only does it affect, of course, that species and those forests, but even the waterways next to them. Uh, they have such an important role in kind of slowing down flooding and keeping the water clean and cool. 
Is there any well, sort of like way to or treatment? Like, is there a, a chemical r- repellent or pesticide that can destroy these? Yeah, so tree by tree, um, there's pesticides now, and you can call a, a local tree care company who can who can help you out. And my understanding is that if you're willing to invest um, more more in an urban setting, you know, you got your favorite tree in your yard, they may be able to help you out uh, at the scale of a, of a whole you know conservation area or a park. It's, it's simply not feasible. Yeah, one of our listeners uh, sent a picture of his beautiful trees, two of them, that he invests. Uh, he's invested close to $650 to save these two trees. He gets them injected on a seasonal basis, and uh, they're just really important to him. So multiply that by tens of thousands of trees, and, and Carrie, you just, you just can't do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. How many ash trees do we have in Winnipeg? Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the number, but there would be you know, hundreds of thousands. It's a, it's been a commonly planted uh, species in, in urban areas and, and even in the countryside. When you drive around and you see those lines of trees around farmyards, uh, you know, for for decades, green ash was the species that people were planting. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, if you have ash trees too, it would be time to be thinking about maybe underplanting a, a couple of new species uh, in case emerald ash borer does come through, so that you have a, a new replacement forest. All right, Kerry Hamill, Director of Conservation with the Nature Conservancy of Canada, Manitoba Region, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Kerry, thank you very much for this, sir. Well, thank you. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is away. We're going to add another M into the mix. Meat! This is exciting, Greg. <laughs> 680 CJOB and DWN's Farms in Altona. Present the Wheel of Meat every Wednesday, starting today until September 2nd, right here on The Start. One lucky listener will get to spin the Wheel of Meat to win a prize package from DWN's Farms. Hot dogs for the whole family or steaks for a month. The prizes change every week. So, on the line with us at 204-780-6868. And it looks like we're still having problems with our phones. So, if you Uh called and didn't get through, we apologize. Our engineers are just feverishly working on getting everything up yep. and running here at 214. It's a lot of moving parts to get three radio stations into a new location. So we've got Tim on the line. Tim, good morning to you. Good morning. What uh, kind of meat are you hoping to win, maybe? Oh, I could go for the steak. The steak? <laughs> yeah, well, baby. Well, hang on a second here. Here we go. Let's spin the wheel, Tim, and see what you get. All right, thanks, buddy. I did find a wheel, Greg. It was around the corner. So I just Sounds to, brand new. Yeah, Very crisp. Yeah, it's, it's got that echo. I just had to reach over and grab it over my shoulder. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow, that really didn't want to stop. Hey, Tim, you hey. have won. Well, Greg, you've got the, the information there too, right? Can you see that? $200 prize pack. Get this. Eight two-pound packs of ground beef, two two-pound steak packs, and two three-pound roasts, Tim. Congratulations. That is absolutely awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. All right. All right. That is a lot of meat. Eight two-pound packs of ground beef. Ah, uh, the two-pound steak packs. Man, I am starving. This contest, you know, just like these pretzels are making me thirsty, Tim, <laughs> this contest is making me hungry. 
Well, you always have a cold beer with everything, right? (laughs) (laughs) Tim, congratulations, buddy. I'm going to put you on hold. Jeff Forte is going to get your details off the air. So get ready to spin the wheel of meat every Wednesday right here on The Start. And we still have that Santa Lucia pizza to give away, Greg. So, like, just all these contests, I'm just salivating. Yeah, well, just exactly what we need in the middle of our workday, right? All this tantalizing food stuffs being dangled in front of us. And what do we get to do? We get to give it to our friends That's listening right. on the radio. And we love giving it away. But oh, just a slice of pizza, just one steak. Come on. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation. Hal Anderson joins us for our weekly Wednesday visit at 837. And keep those text messages coming to 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a large two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia. The mistakes you make, the dumb things you've done because you were nervous. Maybe you were nervous because you were scared you were going to make a mistake, and then you ended up making that very mistake because you were nervous. Send us your stories at 204-780-6868. After, or in our next segment, we're going to talk about the we testimony, and in a moment, we're going to talk about risk payments. Where are they? But before that, Greg, we have to do a quick mention here on what went down at the Emmy nominations regarding the show you were praising yesterday morning. Yeah, Schitt's Creek, their final season, sixth and final, uh, has has already been filmed and uh, distributed. It's not on Netflix yet. I don't know when it's hitting Netflix. I can't wait to see the sixth and final season. But yesterday morning, when the Emmy Award nominations were released, Schitt's Creek got 15 nominations. They were amongst the, the top six or seven Uh, Shows with regard to the number of nominations, including Outstanding Comedy Series, Lead Actor for Eugene Levy, that's in a comedy series, Lead Actress in a comedy series for Catherine O'Hara, and then the two supporting actors, Annie Murphy and Daniel uh, Levy, also uh, received nominations. So congratulations to everyone involved in the production of that incredible show, and uh Congratulations to everybody who believed in the show from the get-go and that have been a fan of it uh, because you, you tend to take ownership of these things, don't you, Brett? When you latch on to it early and you tell your friends, you should watch this, you should watch that, you kind of, it's sort of like a sports team thing. Yeah, that's right. And if you do want to watch the final season, it already aired on its parent network, uh, the CBC. Uh, so it's streaming through there if you want to take a look at that or you can just wait for it to come to Netflix. But leading the way, uh, Watchmen from HBO with the leading 26 six nominations ozark and success succession also uh with 18 nominations and uh we'll have much more on the emmys on this week's edition of the couch potatoes podcast should be up by about 2 p.m tomorrow afternoon now we turn our attention to essential workers in the province who are still waiting to find out if they are eligible for a bonus risk pay one month after the provincial government closed applications for the program the province said more than ninety thousand people applied for the program and funds will be split evenly among all of the approved applicants, meaning each person stands to get around $1,300. Now, applications for the $120 million risk recognition program closed at the end of June, but in the week since, not a dime of shared provincial federal dollars has been handed out. 
To be eligible for the program, people must have worked a minimum of 200 hours and their pre-tax employment income during the eligibility period must be less than $12,500. Jeff Traeger is president of UFCW Local 832 and said they have zero, they've had zero contact from the province since the final program details were rolled out. Jeff Traeger joins us now. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing very well. Now, this might uh, be a redundant question uh, for you, but for some of our listeners, they may not know uh, who the uh, United Food and Commercial Workers Union represents. Can you give us an idea? Oh, sure. We represent about 17,000 workers in the province, uh, in retail, grocery, and uh, food production, places like uh, Maple Leaf, High Life, and Granny's Poultry, and security guards, nonprofit workers. And we figure about 9,000 of our members have uh, applied and hopefully will be eligible for this benefit. Do you have any idea as to how many actually will be eligible? We get that many apply, but uh, likely not all of them will end up being eligible. Well, likely not all of them will be, but because the rules changed twice during the uh, process, we were, we were uh, advising our members to go ahead and apply. And the worst thing that could happen is you could be deemed ineligible. But I think the main reason why most people wouldn't be would be uh, earning too much money, uh, more than that 12500 that uh, you were just talking about. Uh, but I, I think that the large uh, majority of our members are part-time retail grocery workers, uh, security guards, people working in assisted living and nonprofits, and uh, there's no way they could have earned that much over that period of time. So we're, we're hoping that the vast majority of them are going to be eligible. Yeah, so for your for some of your members on the front line at grocery stores, this feels like a, a little bit of a double whammy from the outside looking in. You can tell us if it is on the inside. We heard that the major gro- grocery stores clawed back the pay they had added at the beginning of the pandemic, $2 an hour in a lot of cases. What can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, they uh, right now government is actually interviewing all of the major grocery retailers uh, right across Canada at committee hearings because uh, it looks very much like there was some collusion uh, involved with that. You know, we heard about the uh, red uh, price-fixing schemes in the past, but it looks like the major grocery employers all decided to uh, end the risk recognition or the hero pay is what they called it, uh, end that program pretty much at the exact same time. Uh, so it was either a most amazing coincidence or uh, they uh, planned it that way. Some are going to say this particular payment is a bonus of sorts. So why is there a panic about this? Well, the panic about it is originally government uh, wanted it to be the risk recognition program, and they were very clear they didn't want it to be a wage subsidy, similar to what we saw in Ontario in uh, healthcare, where they just simply paid the employers in healthcare and the employers um, uh, raised wages for folks. Uh, here, they were saying, no, it's just a recognition of risk. And the issue with that is by setting the bar on how much you can earn, you uh, leave out a lot of healthcare professionals, you leave out uh, nurses, doctors, people who are putting themselves at risk and did all the way through the kind of high points of the pandemic. So it really is impacting mostly lower wage people, people who are in the minimum wage or just a dollar or two above it. And these folks you know, have been told that there's some money coming and it's been, you know, a month since they finished apply, applying, uh, probably six weeks since the last time we heard anything from government. 
And uh, a lot of these folks, they count their dollars or their nickels at the end of the month. And, you know, they've got responsibilities with their family, food to put on the table and rent to pay. Um, And so they've actually started looking forward to this money and are wondering why it hasn't been forthcoming. And I think government needs to step up and either get this done because there's been plenty of time or at least at the very least uh, get in front of a camera and tell people when they can expect it and why it's taking so long. Yeah, we had all sorts of questions about the uh, different uh, sorts of checks that were going out, whether it was to senior citizens, that amount of money that went out. People wanted to know when that was coming. The auto pack and the MPI rebate, people were anxious to know when those checks are coming in. Uh, you know, lots of examples over the last several months of, of where these programs get announced to, to help people. And you're right, once uh, people sort of have it in their mind that it's on the way, well, when am I? When do I have to stop looking for it? When do I have to uh, stop uh, checking my mailbox every single day or my bank account? Jeff, thanks for this. No problem. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Have a good day. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on vacation back next week. The two brothers at the center of the controversy over the multi-million dollar student grant program spent hours getting grilled under oath yesterday as part of the House of Commons Finance Committee hearings into the WE charity scandal. Mr. Polyev, do I have to suspend this meeting because I will? Four hours of testimony, at times tense, as MPs pressed Craig and Mark Kielberger for answers about their involvement in the WE charity scandal. That's right, and and so I'm not. Uh, so the floor is not yours. The brothers maintain they were not in line to profit from this. While the government publicized the deal as worth 912 million dollars, there are no firm answers as to how much money was on the table for the charity to administer. First time we heard about the 912 million was when it was announced. Um, we had never been um, privy to that information before. We agreed to implement the Canada Student Service Grant, according to the charity's founders at the request of government, despite personal relationships to the organization from both the Prime Minister and Minister of Finance. To help us understand a little more of what took place yesterday and to look ahead to the Prime Minister's testimony today, we welcome Abigail Beeman, Ottawa correspondent for Global News. Good morning, Abigail. Good morning. So the co-founders of WE testified for four hours yesterday. We heard a little of what Mark and Craig Kielberger had to say yesterday in that clip. They had much more to say uh, over the course of their, uh, uh, shall we call it, interrogation? It was a very uh, long four hours. You can certainly uh, call it that. Uh, the You heard the opposition getting frustrated there. That's because in a number of cases, the Kielbergers were not really answering the questions. Uh, they said that they were there to set the record straight. And they really underlined, as you heard in that report, that they did not stand to make any money from the government deal. That was one of the main points that they wanted to get across. They also uh, criticized the media in uh, a number of cases for getting it wrong, but then didn't quite answer the question or or, or, or were not quite clear on the record in a matter or in a number uh, of different cases. But the bottom line for them, the way that they phrased it was the government called them. They wanted to help. They wanted to help young people with this program, saying at the end of the day, you know, that's who's suffering here, which is the same line that the, that the government focuses on uh, as well, that, that students aren't able to access this grant program um, at the end of the day. But the Kielbergers said a few times that you know
know, they wouldn't have picked up the phone to take this government call had they known that the fallout would have uh, would have happened the way that it did. The main issue here has been conflict of interest. What did we learn about the brothers' ties to the Trudeaus? Well, that's right. And the way that, as the Kilbergers characterize it, they say that they don't have any social connections to the Trudeaus. They've never shared a meal with the Trudeau family. In answering another question, they said that they don't have a cell phone number for the Prime Minister. But there was some more information or additional information that came out about payments to the Trudeau family. A lot of this has issue has centered around the hundreds of thousands of dollars in speaker fees uh, paid to the Prime Minister's mother and his wife and his brother uh, in total. And so yesterday, uh, at committee, the Kielbergers talked about additional expenses reimbursed or paid to members of the Trudeau family. They didn't provide a total number, but they rather they gave averages for the events. Uh, so as the example at the top end of the of the bracket is Margaret Trudeau, who appeared at 28 events and was paid on average just under $6,000 per event in terms of expenses that's separate from the speaker fees. But, it, you know, it's a good example of the Kielbergers not quite being fully, not quite answering the question fully and that they were said they were asked okay so what was the total amount of expenses and they said oh we can only provide averages but they did offer to submit some documentation further so we'll see uh if that uh, comes into play another point to make on the connection to the trudeau family that the kilbergers took great pains to stress a few times that this wasn't about uh this wasn't about the trudeau name in saying that you know margaret trudeau has a lot of value in her in her in her capacity as a mental health expert separate from you know just being the prime minister's mother or Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, you know, just being the prime minister's spouse. But then later when they were grilled as to uh, Justin Trudeau's brother, Alexander Trudeau, as to his expertise and, you know, why he was involved uh, at We Day, they said that, well, Margaret was unavailable. And so they were very grateful that uh, she had arranged for him to to help them out in this situation. So very hard to uh, circle that square uh, in terms of this not being about the Trudeau name when it seemed that that the reason that they that they booked him was because you know Margaret Trudeau was able to bring him in. And just before mm-hmm. we go, because we only have about thirty seconds, uh, Prime Minister set to testify Thursday. So what's next? That's right. So the, the all eyes will be on the prime minister's testimony tomorrow. It's highly unusual for a sitting prime minister to appear before committee. His chief of staff will be there as well. And today, the finance and ethics committees uh, both hold meetings. So attention is is on this issue and not going away anytime soon. Abigail Beam, an Ottawa correspondent for Global National, joining us live on CJOB. Abigail, thank you for this. Thanks. Ackling and McGarry, McNabb is on vacation. Just want to say hello to Shelley and Ralph, who messaged us this morning to say good AM from Nova Scotia. So hello, Shelley and Ralph. Curious to know if you are, because it looks like they live in Manitoba based on their phone number. But uh, if you're out visiting in Nova Scotia, if you're having an extended visit, what are the circumstances that brought you to Nova Scotia? Let us know, 204-780-6868. But good morning to you over in Nova Scotia. And hey, Greg, as glorious a summer as we're having in Manitoba... Oh, God. Uh-huh. Do we have to say this? Winter. You don't have to. You don't have to say it. No, but, but it's, it's true. true. It's true. It's <laughs> never. Winter is never that far away. Getting away from winter may or may not be an option, depending on COVID-19. 
Yeah, should travel restrictions ease to the point that we are allowed to head to warmer destinations, getting there is going to be a lot tougher based on an announcement from Air Transat. Taylor McAfee speaks on behalf of the Winnipeg Airports Authority and joins us. Good morning, Tyler. Good morning. Well, we just heard you in the news and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment about the traffic at Winnipeg's uh, Richardson International Airport. This isn't going to help. What can you tell us about Air Transat and, and what they're doing? Well, Air, Air Transat's made the decision to move to kind of focus their strategy on some of their hub cities. And, you know, we, we're always disappointed when we see a, a service discontinued from Winnipeg. And, you know, that, that's disappointing for the market here. But we also recognize the need for airlines to make those decisions to remain sustainable for the long term. And, you know, that's what we want to see. And we, we've entered into this new reality for the industry where we're going to see more of this, I think, over the next couple of years. Where does Air Transat fly to from Winnipeg? Well, they have a number of different sun destinations. Those kind of change a little bit each year based on some of the decisions they're making on their end. So, you know, it was those, uh, those sun destinations that everyone's looking to go to in the wintertime. Tyler, there are other uh, charter providers uh, that, that get us away. Clearly, this is uh, just simply uncharted territory for so many of us. So what do you know Outside of what we've heard publicly, what are you planning for with regard to uh, winter getaway season? Anything? Well, we, we know that there's going to be less, and, and that's the reality we're looking at. So we know it's going to be four to five years before we get back to where we were in 2019, and that's going to take some time. So we know that that, you know, when you look at that, that means there's going to be fewer options for people out of this market, and there's going to be fewer options across the country and around the world. So if air traffic is projected to be decreasing by 50%, that means that there is going to be less options uh, for people, and that means that there's going to be less people who are flying. Sometimes airlines will pull, I mean, it, it happens often where they announce we're done in this particular market uh, or we're taking a break. Maybe they never come back. Is this a situation where we may we might permanently lose air transit? Uh, you know, I, I think it's tough to say in these situations. We're always working with the airlines to talk about the need in Winnipeg and the opportunity that exists here. Uh, when you look at load factors, so that's the how many people are on an airplane, uh, we traditionally have very high load factors from Winnipeg, which airlines recognize. So they know that if they put service into this community, they typically see a good return on that. But we've entered into this new reality where all the airlines are, are looking to see, you know, what, what does the fall look like? What does the winter look like? Where is demand right now? You know, we're seeing an increase in bookings uh, later than we normally would see. So, you know, a lot of things are different right now. And, and the airlines are adjusting to that in airports as well. Yeah, I feel for you guys right now trying to sort this all out and uh, and to, to keep a, a smile on your face has got to be difficult. But cargo is increasing. Tell us about that. So cargo operations have remained strong, and, and Winnipeg's really emerged as a cargo hub in Western Canada, and, and really in Canada in, in general. So, you know, the, a lot of people at home, a lot of people buying online, so e-commerce has picked up, and, you know, we're seeing an increase with that, which is, is positive, because that's an area where we're continuing to invest to, to grow. Tyler McAfee speaks on behalf of the Winnipeg Airports Authority, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Tyler, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated, sir. All right. Thank you.
Yeah, losing those sun destinations, uh, Greg, at least Air Transat, uh, that could, I imagine that's going to be tough because if if they do open up travel, I, I'm going to assume that a lot of people are going to be looking to get out of Dodge ASAP. But what do you think? Do you think there 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 will be a, a race to the airport or people will be kind of wait and see? You just never know what uh, other people are going to feel about it. I think once the travel restrictions uh, were lifted in Western Canada, we saw a lot of people heading west. Uh, I know my spies in Alberta and BC were seeing lots of Manitoba <laughs> license plates, and uh, I'm sure our listeners will testify that they've been traveling out west. And I would say you're right. It's going to be one of those situations where holy crow they're opening up the border and they're going to allow us to to travel say to mexico or to cuba or fill in the your country and beach of choice and they're going to be fewer options for you so that'll that'll be frustrating should that come to fruition but uh once again just chalk it up to COVID 19 and 2020 uh every time you turn around there's something happening that's never happened before so uh, why should this be any different Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back next week. In our next segment, we're going to give away that pizza for Santa Lucia Pizza, large two topping, because we've been getting text messages from you this morning on the mistakes, the dumb mistakes we make because we're nervous. And this text is really sweet. About a year ago, my lovely spouse and I finally had a date night. We had a sitter, and when I came home to pick her up, she had been to the hair salon, Done her subtle makeup, as she's a natural beauty. New dress and heels. For the first time in years, I was nervous and stumbled trying to compliment her as she took my breath and words away. She said that was the best compliment I could give, as that's never happened before for either of us. That is so sweet and romantic. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, in our next segment, we will decide who wins the day and who wins the pizza. But in the meantime, Greg, we're going to continue to talk about COVID-19 and how, while the province is suffering in many areas, one area is booming. Yeah, we've heard about how real estate prices are booming inside the city of Winnipeg. Multiple offers uh, happening on many properties. The number of sales, the most ever uh, at any in any one month, uh, happened in June. And now we hear there's a buyer's boom in cottage country. Chris Newfeld of Interlake Real Estate joins us now to discuss. Good morning, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Doing really well. Great to uh, connect with you again. And uh, so tell us, uh, your phone ringing off the hook right now or what? Well, all, uh, all of our agents are extremely, extremely busy. We had uh, a little bit of a pause during um, the end of March and beginning of April, and then May it started to just take off. And in June, we were up probably about 28% as a company here in Gimli, and, uh, as well as our offices in Selkirk and Arburg. And uh, July, it looks like we're going to be about 35% up, so it's amazing. What's the reason for the boom? Are the buyers saying what's up? Well, CGOB would probably like to think that it's because we do a substantial amount of pr- promotion on your airways, <laughs> and I hope that's right, but yeah, I, don't, I really don't know what, what the reasons are. I mean, all the indicators of a healthy market were there before COVID in terms of you know, low interest rates and the, demo, the age demographics, so all those things are still there. 
you know, to encourage sales. But with COVID, I think people are probably thinking, you know, we're going to be in Manitoba, we're not going to be traveling, and so we're going to spend some of our resources on some recreational properties away from the city, and uh, that's the only explanation I can give you. Yeah, well, Amber Magookan did a terrific report on, on global uh, television last night at the news at 6 o'clock, and she interviewed one gentleman. His family, they purchased Lakefront uh, out at uh, Westhawk or Falcon Lake, and uh, they had been planning to b- buy a new house in the city, but then the opportunity to buy this cottage came up, and they jumped all over it and some people are citing just this idea that well you know i'm working from home i might as well be working from the cottage you can get wi-fi you can get uh extended uh telecommunication services in a lot of parts of the province now so uh some people speculating that's at the heart of this as well chris yeah you're right i'm i mean that's probably one of the questions that we've been answering lately uh you know more than we would have in the past is what's the internet service like um, at the lake because people are thinking about working from their uh, their homes or their cottages. In terms of cottages, I mean, that can mean so many different things to different people in terms of size, right? Like I think the, the, the cottage that uh, Greg just referenced in uh, Amber's story was in Falcon Lake and it looked like a palace. I went up, but I mean, I, my buddies had cabins growing up and they, they were your standard sort of cottage fare. So if I want, want to get a cottage, say in Winnipeg Beach, is there kind of an average price that I would be looking at? Yeah, if you're getting close to the lake, you're probably looking at 150000 plus. And that wouldn't be waterfront, but that would be, you know, a few uh, doors or a few blocks off of the water. Um, waterfront, you're probably looking at two fifty plus. Um, you know, the ones that are two fifty would sell very, very quickly. Um, and, um, and then there's also, uh, in Winnipeg Beach, we've got cottages that are under $100,000, which uh, can create uh, quite a nice family experience if that's what you're after. Chris, we've had this discussion before, uh, this idea of of communities like Gimli really coming into their own. They've become a real destination for people to retire. Uh, People will winterize their cabins or cottages if they hadn't been winterized before. And year-round enjoyment of cottages is is maybe happening now more than ever. Oh, for sure. I mean, we have basically all the amenities that one could uh, one could wish for in terms of health care and shopping and uh, entertainment. I mean, Gimli has a theater, which a lot of small towns don't have. Um, you know, we've got the banking. Uh, everything that you need is certainly here in Gimli. And, uh, and if you need to run into the city, it's, uh, you know, an hour away. And that's, uh, that's easy for most people to do. Could the the potential rise in in cottage sales also have to do with just families kind of letting their cabins go? Like I know a lot of cabins stay within the family, but a lot of people might be just too busy to hang on to their parents' old cottage and they have to get rid of them. Yeah, from a seller standpoint, you're correct. Um, You know, many of those cottages, especially the Winnipeg Beach area, that Matlock area, those cottages used to be handed down from one generation to the next. And, of course, there was a day when mom would pack up the station wagon at 4.30 on Friday and everybody would pile in and go to the cottage. But with mom working on the weekend, and, uh, you know, most couples, both people are working, and and kids are involved in a lot more activities within the city. So, you know, those people that have those kind of schedules may not, you know, a cottage may not interest them. So then, of course, uh, we get involved in selling them. Well, I guess the good news is there are buyers lining up to buy. Chris, thanks for this. And uh, just because you do all that uh, extraordinary advertising here on CJOB, just uh, remind folks how they can get in touch with you. And you don't just do cottages. You're you're available to help folks uh, here in the city as well, correct? 
Yep, we we're, we're uh, all our agents are licensed for all of Manitoba, and of course, we like to service clients everywhere. Chris Newfeld, Interlake Real Estate, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Chris, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back next week. We have a pizza to give away from Santa Lucia. And this morning you have been texting us at 204-780-6868 on the mistakes we make because we are nervous. Yesterday I went to Breezy Bend, fancy private course, have never played there. Members on the sidelines complaining about the super low scores that they shot and the scores that I could never even hope to achieve. And so in my, I had the first tee jitters, I hit my driver straight into the ground, popped the ball about 100 feet into the air, and then it landed 40 yards in front of me. Super embarrassing, hilarious, but super embarrassing. So we have four texts here. I'm going to rip through them. Here's the honorable mention because it has to do with golf. This from Arthur. Eight of us down in San Antonio for a golf trip. No one wanted to be the first off the tee. So being the newbie to the group, I stepped up, came out of the swing and proceeded to slice the drive somewhere into a Texas oblivion. So Arthur's, (laughs) sorry about that. He says he still shot his handicap. He recovered after that. Third place was that romantic, such a sweet text we just read a couple of minutes ago, Greg, uh, about a about a year ago. My lovely spouse and I finally had a date night. We had a sitter when I came home to pick her up. She had been to the hair salon. She'd done her subtle makeup as she's a natural beauty, new dress and heels. For the first time in years, I was nervous and stumbled trying to compliment her as she took my breath and words away. She said that was the best compliment I could give as that's never happened before for either of us. That's just so sweet. And thoughtful, romantic, but it's not the winner. We had two texts that were very similar. We both agreed on the winner, but second place is pretty good from Keith. You want to read it? Yeah, my, you betcha. My most embarrassing moment was when I was 18. I went to the U of W to pick up this gorgeous student studying to be a teacher. I picked her up, and as I got to Spence and Portage, which was only a quarter block from where I picked her up, out of nowhere, a guy on a bicycle drove in front of me, and I hit him. Whoops. I got out and asked him what, if he was okay. He didn't answer. He just picked up his bike and ran away. I got back in the car and said jokingly, five points for hitting him. She proceeded to exit my car, and the date never happened. Ah. I asked Keith if he ever saw her anywhere ever again. He said, nope, never ever cross paths with her again. That is too bad. But here comes the winner. Me and some friends were at a campground when I was about 18. A friend and I were walking down a dirt road with two girls we were hitting on. We stopped for a minute. I leaned in a farmer's fence that was electrified. I got zapped and I wet my pants. Never saw the girls again. <laughs> oh my God, that is just awful and funny, and it's worthy of a Santa Lucia pizza. So, congratulations to you. Don't even know this listener's name, but we will get that information. And also make sure that you follow us on social media for your chance to win more pizza on Twitter at 680CJOB, on Instagram at 680CJOB, and of course, give us a like on Facebook. And then a reminder that free gas Fridays. Coming back this Friday, $100 gift card for co-op gas bars right here on The Start. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.